secular world influence can affect our faith and how false teaching uh, can affect our faith. But as I was developing this uh, series, I thought about a couple people's life that have a great testimony of their faith through storms, major storms. And so I've asked them to speak. And today, uh, Mark, if you want to come up, um, today I asked Mark to share. Uh, Mark's gone through a lot with cancer and different things, and I don't want to tell his story for you. We kind of know a little bit. Um, But what's remarkable and what I really um, asked him to share in this series is that he's got to a point, you can, you can come on up, you can come on up, you don't have to, <laughs> is that he's got to a place in his faith that no matter what happens, that he's uh, strong in the Lord. And so I wanted to share, ask, I asked him to share how he's come to that spot and what God's do, done in his life through uh, this battle. And so um, we just appreciate you, Mark, and Feel free to share with us what God has done in your life. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. So for the last, I don't know, three, four months, I've had this on my heart to say this out loud in public that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and he died on the cross for my sins. Amen? All right, in 2015, in May of 2015, I was diagnosed with stage three prostate cancer. What that meant was, instead of those cancer cells being contained in that area, that prostate area where doctors have a easier time to control that and solve that, um, my cancer cells had gone beyond that. And so over the next eight years, uh, we have gone through a a boatload of treatment. From surgery, uh, had 110 radiation treatments, and six rounds of chemotherapy, and six more rounds of chemotherapy are coming very, very soon. And despite all of that, this disease is advancing. Uh, It's moved to my bones. Jill reminded me or stated the other day that, uh, Mark, you're, you're beating the odds. I said, well, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and uh, she said, well, Dr. Google had said that, uh, that most men who have prostate cancer that goes to the bones, they, their survival rate is about a year. And I'm working on what, Jill, two and a half, two, over two years. So keep those prayers coming. Throughout this journey, and I could say throughout our lives, but throughout this journey, we have watched God's hand touch just about everything. Um, Jeff and I were just talking about how it's, it's so perfect and just happens. Um, God has placed in front of us uh, the right people at the right time when we needed help. He's, he's placed in front of us doctors who knew the treatment we needed at the time. 
He's placed in front of us friends who will drop everything and come and comfort us when the fear and anxiety are too much. Uh, he's, he's given us friends who uh, a couple years ago uh, decorated our house with Christmas decorations and lights and filled our fridge with food just when we needed it. After a couple of months of hard uh, radiation where we had two treatments a day and then a long journey home, um, it was just what we needed and it filled our hearts with joy. Um, but despite that, um, when I'm alone with God, at night on my knees, I, there's, I'm having an argument. And the argument kind of goes like this. It's, God, you've provided everything, everything. Why not healing? What does it look like to have enough faith to move a mountain or cure cancer? If you were standing right here next to me, if I could just touch your cloak, touch your garment, I know I would be healed. Why is this so hard? That went on for quite a while. Um, we, usually you don't win those rounds, right? Um, and I said, you know, Lord, what is your plan? What, you know, what do I have to do? Stand up and proclaim that you're my savior. S speak to people and let them know that your faith is always there. Our faith in you should always be there and you're always there. You'd never waver. Or maybe it's just more simple. Maybe you just need a sound and a computer guide to help the choir in heaven. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But whatever your timing is, Lord, whether I have six months or six weeks or six years, this burden is heavy and I'm tired. This is, this is where I brought this. <laughs> So I'm just going to lay that down at your feet, Lord. I, I can't do anything else. So the most amazing thing happened after that. All that fear and anxiety is gone. It's like I've given it up to God. He has the perfect plan. I don't. And through that, as, as I've asked for peace so often, he gave it to me, and I'm so grateful. That's my 10 minutes, Pastor. <laughs> Could you stay, stay here just a minute? I just want to pray for Mark and trust that, um, I mean, we'll pray for his healing too, but 
pray that this testimony would just resound in your heart, in your mind, in your life. And uh, reminded in Revelation 12, um, verse 11, it talks about they overcame um, because of the blood of the Lamb, of Jesus, who he's declared um, is Lord of his life. And, and because of the word of their testimony, uh, there's something great that happens when we share our testimony of what God has done in our life. And I believe when, when Mark, when you're sharing your testimony that man, it, God is doing something in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, it's for eternity. And, and you've shared that with us today. Would you just pray with me over Mark? and Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for Mark's testimony, his word today. God, and you put it on his heart to declare that you are his Lord and Savior publicly. God, and, and that you died on the cross for him and he's accepted that. And we praise you for that testimony, God. And Lord, I pray that, uh, thank you that uh, no matter how much healing you've done in his physical life, you've healed his spiritual life. God, and, and the sin that separated him from you, you've forgiven that, and you've made a way, Jesus. You made a way for him to be able to spend eternity with you. And each of us have that opportunity as he's declared that to the public today. God, each of us can have that opportunity as well. God, that you, Jesus, can save us, can set us free, and you can bridge the divide that our sin has caused between us and God. And I do pray for his uh, physical healing as he's um, given his testimony and his word today. God, I just pray that this cancer in the bones would be gone. He would be made every way whole and complete, God, in the powerful name of Jesus, who raised people from the dead. You can conquer cancer. It's nothing to you. Jesus, I pray for healing in his life, God, that you'd bless him for his testimony today. Bless him, Lord. Thank you for this, the many who have come alongside him to support him and Jill and the family through this. All the things that he just testified that have touched him and brought him joy. Bless those people, Lord. Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Bless them and we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Man, next week we're going to hear from George Topp, and he's written, him and Kay have written a book uh, on their testimony, and um, he's not going to stand and read the whole book to you, but uh, he's going to share of, of how his faith has grown because of a farming accident, and so we look forward to that next week. I promise you, I, I knew ahead of time that this... Um, service would kind of be longer with different things happening, so I'm not going to preach my normal 40 or 45 minutes, okay? But I think what I have for you today is um, very important in our day and age, and um, I think in, in life there's always been sin and there's always been evil, so there's always been that influence on Christians and on their faith. And so my main point today is how do we um, keep our faith through these um, evil influences or secular, whatever you would uh, categorize them, and through um, protecting our mind and our heart from the false teachers. But 
to kind of introduce this. Um, there was a young girl and her teacher who were arguing about um, whether humans can be swallowed by whales. Whoa. And the teacher was saying it is impossible uh, for whales to swallow humans because they have these small throats. And the little girl says, well, uh, how can this be? Jonah got swallowed by a whale. And the teacher says, that's not even a true story. And the girl says, well, when I go to heaven, I'll ask him. And the teacher responded, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? And the girl said, then you can ask him. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. So there are teachers, uh, there are teachers who are going to kind of question our faith or cause us to question our faith. Um, not even in, only in the college, secular college world, but we see stories in high schools and even elementary schools where agendas are being pushed that contradict our faith uh, very strictly, harshly, I guess, right? Last week we discussed that we all will go through trials and tribulations. Nobody is exempt from it. And we can either fall under the pressure or we can grow through the perseverance. And so the purpose of them is to persevere and to build character and to mature in our relationship with God as a Christian. Today I want to cite more specifically what causes our faith to be tried and tested. I want to give you some biblical ways to withstand these tribulations and the first major cause of our faith being tested is through a corruption of our beliefs. I've placed uh, most circumstances that would attribute to this into the two categories that I've mentioned, secular influence and false teachings. Everyone has a belief system. Even those who have never heard of God have some sort of thought in their mind or in their heart about how life should be lived, what morally is right and morally wrong. We all bring to the discussion various views on the topics of morality, honesty, respecting the rule of law or the sanctity of life or uh, sexual morality. There's probably uh, a lot more. But throughout life, Our opinions, our belief system on these moral issues are developed by uh, a number of different factors. Our parents, how we're raised, our uh, friends or people that we spend time with, our personal feelings. Um, It could be on our religious beliefs or through teachers, um, through media like books, music, movies. All of these things that we take in... um, We process what they're saying and they have an influence on our life. It's safe to assume you who are here in this room or watching online, we appreciate you joining us on the live stream, that you've, it's safe to assume that you've made a decision to place God and his standards of living as a rule in your belief system, uh, maybe to some degree or another depending on where you're at in your relationship with him this morning. But you have placed your faith in God the Father and who sent his son Jesus to die for the sins of 
mankind. You may just now be starting to learn about him or, and seeking him and forming your faith in him. Or you may have a strong relationship uh, with God and a solid faith in him. Wherever you're at in that range, uh, you most likely believe that the Bible, that God's word, has the final say on morality and you try to live according to it. So now with uh, that established, we look at the two categories of things that try to corrupt our belief system. First, the secular influence, it would be other people, acquaintances, lawmakers, other authorities, uh, social influencers. They will try to question your moral stance. They will criticize your compassion. They'll push their agenda, try to get you to sympathize to their cause. They will attempt, whether subtly or purposefully, to make you compromise on your belief system to the point that you question your faith in God. Second is false teachings. Leaders uh, will present a theology, a study of God, or a doctrine, a teaching of God that is in addition to or, uh, and or a contradiction to the word of God. It may be an interpretation of something in the Bible that's difficult to understand, but if you follow them, it will lead you away from the truth of God. God, in his word, has addressed both of these um, categories. So let's start with secular influence. And I think some of these verses are up there. I could be wrong. James 4.4 4, says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good morals. Colossians 2, 8. I apologize if I didn't get these on the screen. If you'd like some of these verses, just write a note to me and I, I share my notes with you. Colossians 2.8 tells us, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. This one kind of covers both um, categories. People have a hollow and deceptive uh, philosophy on all of this moral, you know, laws or moral things that, that question, they're empty, they're, they go based off of their feelings and say, well, you should feel this way too, and they don't have depth to their uh, philosophies, or they depend on human tradition, meaning, well, we've always done it this way, it's never going to change how, you know, these people think that way too, and so that verse kind of warns us against both. Ephesians 4.14 also kind of addresses both categories. Paul writes, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Friends, the moral decline in America is growing worse each year. I don't think I have to convince you of that. 
But to emphasize where we are at, I found a couple of surveys by totally different companies done separately four years apart. One survey focused on how uh, morality was determined. Only half say that right and wrong never change. A third of them, 32%, say, well, it depends whether or not someone is going to get hurt. 24% consider whether something is legal and that law can change, right? And 20% consider whether the benefits outweigh the cost. So to, to summarize, if right and wrong can change, then it will, based on what individuals determine, is access- acceptable. The second survey found that only 30% of adults rely on religious faith when making moral choices. The rest rely on other people and their own feelings. This survey asked about five common moral topics, those that I listed in my intro earlier, and the results of them were alarming, just to summarize quickly. More people, 61%, said that it was morally unacceptable to not repay a small debt to a family member and that was more than uh, to have an abortion which was the same percentage as those who said speeding was unacceptable so 44 percent of the people said it's morally unacceptable to have an abortion but more people say it's you it's unacceptable to not repay a debt or to uh, speed When asked about sexual relationships outside of the marriage, only 30% said that it was morally unacceptable. Most likely, those are the 30% in the survey that rely on religious faith to determine their moral moral choices. You've probably, hopefully you've heard of George Barna. The Barna Research Group is a very popular uh, survey and research group. And a quote from George Barna, he said, Americans have been aggressively redefining the nation's morality for the past several decades. And that shift is still in progress. Our research provides a compelling context for such a moral recollaboration. Opinions, philosophies, and beliefs of the secular world are corrupting our religious beliefs and thus shaking so many off their faith. But we must, we must keep our faith. False teachers, false teachings can shake our faith. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That is happening a lot now. (laughs) That verse being fulfilled. False teaching is a real threat to the church. The local church and the global, the global church. It's, it's not a threat only in certain circumstances that we may say, well, certain governmental uh, structures, yeah, we can see where uh, it's a false teaching would be a threat to that. Or it's not just only in you know, certain cultures in the world, but, but we must recognize that it's a threat because the Bible continually warns us that it will happen It will happen in the last days. I read an article that listed three avenues to which false teachings can come into a church or a group of believers, whether it's a local assembly like this or or, uh, influence over the, the global church. These three avenues were the desire to find some new and interesting teaching or doctrine, Second was an overreaction to other teaching errors in the church. And third is a desire to avoid criticism, particularly criticism from the world around us. The desire for new teaching. It may be the most innocent one, but it comes when we try to find new and innovative ways to understand the Bible. They will find new teachings on topics that have been thoroughly discussed for centuries. Some examples would be end-time prophecies or, or the requirements for salvation. Second, the uh, overreaction to errors. Some people may see potential errors in the Bible and in church doctrine, and so they develop a teaching to try to solve that. And like those who like those who would teach on the humanity and the deity of Jesus. Was Jesus fully human and fully God? That's what we believe. And people, um, in this example, they may try to explain how he was fully human. And when they do that, they're neglecting how, how can he still be fully God at the same time. Or vice versa. They might focus so much to prove that Jesus was fully God that it takes away and overwhelms the the thought that he could be human at the same time. Or another example is the teaching on the Trinity. It's a the Trinity is a difficult concept to understand that God is three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So some have tried to teach it and they've made more errors saying that uh, God is one and they lessen the power of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Or the third way, the desire to avoid criticism. And this one kind of goes along with the uh, secular influence category that um, they allow the secular world to influence our faith. False teachers may try to change doctrine to be able to fit in and avoid being criticized by the outside world. Being a Christian means that we're going to be criticized because of our beliefs. 
You can't be both. You can't please everybody and still uh, believe in God and, and have the standards that he has. People are going to uh, criticize you for your beliefs and, and push uh, their needs or their beliefs or their desires and, and, tr- and force you to try to force you to compromise on your beliefs and that's going to result in worse consequences from God. Some examples of this, and there's so many, but is um, the topic of creation. Sometimes teachers will deny God as the creator of all things um, rather than go against the scientific consensus that says, you know, well, evolution did this, right? Or the way that God created genders and his intent for marriage. Obviously, those are other examples of this desire to avoid criticism. A new term uh, being used today is the deconstruction of a person's faith. It's the process that a person is taking when they reevaluate their belief system and they find that the Bible and its doctrine is not permitting what they want to do. When a teaching or a sin that they believe should be true or should be okay is contradicted in the Bible, instead of conforming uh, our beliefs to the Bible, we, they would submit themselves, uh, they don't submit themselves to it and kind of throw the whole thing out. And this, have this deconstruction of faith of what do I really believe if I can't do this, I can't do anything. And they um, will jump to that. It's okay. God, like I said in my prayer, uh, is mighty. He's big. He never grows weary or, or tired. He can handle you reevaluating your faith, questioning some of the things that uh, are stated in his word. If you will study through those, if you will keep your faith in those and not jump to, man, if, if I can't get this, if I can't do this, do what I want to do, then I'm done. There has to be a submission on our part. It could be to anything. If you jump to, this is into my notes, but if you jump to the other side and say, well, we can do anything we want, you know, and kind of throw out the Bible, and I believe everybody should do whatever they want to do, you're going to have issues when you start to uh, contradict one another because not everybody can do anything they want to do. They're going to contradict each other and fight over uh, what's true or not. In conclusion, if the worship team would come, I want to conclude with how do we handle these circumstances? How do we keep our faith while living in this sinful world? Okay? Don't go hiding in your uh, basement cellar for the rest of your life. Don't hunker down. Okay? God has placed you uh, where you are to be a light to this world. And like I said earlier, um, when we read difficult passages in the Bible and we don't understand, it doesn't mean we just throw the whole thing away. Pray, talk to the Lord about what are you struggling with, what don't you understand. Keeping the faith 
requires remembering what brought us to faith in the first place. Hebrews 12 says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the beginning of our faith, who's perfected our faith, who's made our faith complete. So if you're in the process of that, your faith doesn't become complete and perfect the moment you first believe in him and begin that uh, relationship. It's, you're growing and you need to be learning and you need to be um, maturing in your faith. So remember what brought you to the faith. The Israelites in the Old Testament would set up memorials or they would have feasts according to where God delivered them or what he delivered them from, what he did in their life. And we should do the same thing. Remember often what God brought us out of, how he changed our life, and that there's wisdom in the word of God. That if something contradicts us in there, it's probably us that needs to change and put on the mind of Christ and understand what that's there for, why the boundary is there. Keeping the faith requires a love of truth and a commitment to the word of God. 1 Timothy 4.1 says that in the last days, those who abandon the faith will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons to accept another gospel is to fall into error. There's a group of believers called the Bereans and it's in Acts chapter 17 or one of the chapters around it, I believe, that they would be in a, in a teaching like this and they would immediately go to the Bible and they would study it, making sure that what the person was teaching lines up with the word. We need to learn the truth so we can discern the false. You've probably heard the uh, illustration before that uh, bankers and, and those that deal with money, when they're trying to learn if something is a counterfeit or not, they don't study all the different counterfeit things. They study the true uh, dollar, right? And they study what the real, what the truth should look like. And then when a false one, when a fake one comes in, they can identify, well, that's not, that's not the right one. It's the same thing with the Word of God. Study and know the truth and that when someone would come even if it's on a platform like this if we have a guest speaker or myself if i ever were to say or someone from this pulpit were to say something that you question read study the word of god talk to me about it okay keeping the faith involves growth in christ keeping the faith is also about community, surrounding yourself with people of, this, of like beliefs, growing in Christ when you're reading the word, when you're praying, when you're spending time with God, get into a Bible study, come to church more, do things that um, will help you to grow in your relationship with him. That's how Mark, who's attended our church for 18 years, can go through something like this and be have the testimony that he has today. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? I wanted to give you an example from Acts chapter 17 of Paul um, and speaking to the people in Greece. We'll do that another day. 
but the people, uh, Greece looked a lot like the United States does now back then. They served so many gods, and one of them was, uh, they even had a, a statue to an unknown god. And Paul figured out the unknown god is the true god, and you just don't recognize him yet. And he, he spoke to them. So look at Acts 17 um, this week. And it's a, it's a fun, interesting story there of uh, God influenced through Paul and the other disciples. And Greece, who um, a lot of our philosophies and, and stuff have come through the years, kind of um, filtered through that. And Paul spoke the truth. And so many of them changed and came to a faith. Today, as we close, I want to encourage you to think about your life. Is there something that's not lining up with the Word? Is, do you struggle with uh, other influences in your life or other teachings in your life that have just thrown off your faith and made you to not understand God? Why, are, why is this and this doesn't make sense? So I, the whole thing is wrong. And if you're in that, if you're in that boat, in that storm, trust God. Spend time with Him. Seek His Word more. Pray more. And uh, the tr- one true God, I guarantee you will find Him, and He'll give you wisdom and direction through that. As we conclude in in song and prayer, if you'd like prayer for any of that if you're struggling i'd love to pray with you in this moment or if you have anything else you'd like to pray for uh come forward i'd love to uh pray with you heavenly father god i just love you god and i pray for each one lord that you would help us to uh evaluate ourselves and where we're at in in our teachings and our philosophies and our thoughts well what is influencing us the most God, have we been affected by false teachings or by uh, worldly influence to live our life? Have we compromised our faith? Lord, speak to our hearts today, God, but don't leave us in that place. Help us, Lord, to have the strength to uh, rely on you, to seek your face, to pray and read your word and study and learn and grow. Church, would you um, reflect as we close in this song? And if you'd like prayer, please come forward. I'd love to pray with you.